Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be with you this day as we celebrate what Jesus does, acknowledge his power, and worship him together. We continue in our series that we began last week about miracles that Jesus does. See, Jesus does what we wouldn't expect. He demonstrates his power, his ability, his authority, even doing things beyond what we could imagine. Today's miracle, Jesus walks on the water. It happens pretty much right after the feeding of the 5,000. Last week, we talked about, about that, about feeding the 5,000. I actually had gotten a greeting card um, in the mail that has uh, a bit about that on it. So Gina's going to move the camera over there real quick. Let's take a look at the, the card. So here's what it says on there. Um, so if you're listening and you can't see it, um, there's Jesus, and he's holding a loaf and a fish and, and talking to the crowd. And um, there's a voice from the crowd that comes up and says, I can't eat that. I'm vegan. And another voice that says, has that fish been tested for mercury? And then the last one says, is that gluten-free bread? Pretty funny. To think about people who are in, the, in this miracle, seeing this happen, who are asking these kinds of questions. Now, I don't think that's the kind of questions that people in the first century would have asked. I don't think vegan was necessarily a thing. Um, and I don't think people were experiencing the same issues with gluten that my wife, in fact, has. So um, gluten-free bread is something that's familiar and important in our family and in our house. But on verse 22, sorry, backing up, it says, right after the feeding, everyone was satisfied at the end. Sometimes do we see what Jesus does, do we experience his power, and do we still find reasons to ask questions or doubt or even complain about what Jesus is doing? Here in the text, it says everyone was satisfied. Everyone had eaten. I mean, the disciples were probably completely wiped out. They had worked hard to feed that group, just taking food out to these groups of people seated on the grass. Verse 22, this is the beginning of our reading for today from Matthew 14. Jesus sent the disciples to the other side, which is the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. So it's, I mean, when we think lake, we need to think something bigger than, you know, a fishing pond. This is a pretty big um, body of water, big enough that there's waves on it, and and it's, um, you know, large enough that... uh, that it feels more ocean-like than like a lake. The Sea of Galilee, it's often called. So he sent the disciples to the other side while he dismissed the crowds, and then he prayed on the mountainside. Jesus had been going in that direction ever since the beginning of the chapter. At the beginning of chapter 14, just to get the context of this, Jesus finds out that John the Baptist has been killed. And John was his cousin and a person he... Um, had a relationship with, and so this loss has affected him, and he's, he's kind of trying to get away from everything, to have a, a moment to reflect and to think about, um, and just to, just to be in the presence of his father, to pray. And the crowds followed him as he went out, and that's the crowd that ate the supper. So, um, you know, there's a, a lot going on in, in Jesus' life 
and in his mind. So he sends the disciples away. He dismisses the crowd. And finally, he gets some, he gets some alone time, which can be really important to, uh, to spend some time you know, by ourselves and, and not with distractions and not with anything else going on and to reflect and to even take, kind of take inventory of what's going on and what's important. And the action picks up as Jesus is going to go catch up to the boat. Verse 25 says, In the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. Matthew's narrative there is so matter-of-fact, it's kind of striking. Like, he came to them walking on the sea with no explanation um, until we see the disciples' reaction to that. We see the disciples fully in the grip of fear. And why wouldn't they be, honestly? Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. How do you respond to fear? There are things that make us afraid. There are things in our lives that cause us to fear. No matter what age we are, no matter what's going on, there are things we're afraid of. Maybe Maybe it's an insect or a spider. And if the, if the, like, if it's kind of dim, it may be in the bathroom, and you see something scurry across the floor. That's probably a little um, more terrifying than in the broad daylight, across the room, on the wall, a little tiny bug. Things cause us to fear, and we often try to hide. Literally, we, we run from danger. If it's real and significant danger, we're apt to run. The disciples don't seem to try to get away, but I can imagine... I can imagine them ducking below the side of the boat, right? they kind of peering over maybe with one eye or, or nudging each other like, who's going who's gonna to look? <laughs> we think we saw something, not sure, but we're going we're gonna to hide around the side of the boat here. Or maybe if there were, if there were oars, they were getting in and they were going to try to row faster. Like, let's get away from, from whatever this is. What causes us to fear, and what, how do we respond? Sometimes we, we try to run and hide, but sometimes fear can be paralyzing as well. Sometimes fear can leave us stuck in a place. We're not sure what to do. We're not sure how to move forward. When, when I was young, uh, growing up, my family went on vacation, um, saw a lot, of, a lot of the country, actually, traveled a lot, um, usually a couple weeks in the summer we, um, we would go. And there was a summer we tent camped, and, and then we had a pop-up camper. Um, and, and so similar to the one that we took a couple of weeks back. And we would go and, and travel and explore and, and visit places. And um, one of the places that we went was not actually that far away. It was in Kentucky. I lived in, in south, southern Ohio. And uh, there's a place called Natural Bridge. And it's one of those places like Arches and, and some other uh, places where there's a, a large stone structure that has uh, formed by God's hand. Uh, that's how I like to imagine it, that God scooped out the under part and, and left this natural bridge, that's what it's called, uh, across. And so underneath there's, you know, nothing, and, but there's this stone bridge. It's, it's rock, you know, probably granite or some strong material. 
And so as a family, we went out there, and this is before, uh, today there's probably like rails up and, you know, things to protect you from getting too close to the edge. But at that point, um, there were none. And so we got out on the natural bed. You could, you could walk across it. We got out there, and I started to think about this natural bridge. Like, there's nothing under here. What prevents this whole thing from collapsing under its own weight? And, and I got stuck. I, like, sat down and couldn't move. Like, I didn't want to go one way or the other because the sides were, and this thing's like 20 feet wide probably at least. I don't know how wide it is, but, but it was wide enough that I could have wandered and I wouldn't have gotten that close to the edge. But in my mind, the edge was, was right there. And if I took a step, I was nervous that I was going to slip toward the edge or go over the side. And I, was, I felt kind of stuck. Keep in mind, as you think about this narrative of Jesus walking on the water, how many disciples got out? How many disciples stayed in the boat? Their response to fear was to stay where they were. It was only Peter who could step out in faith. See, Peter's action took, it took faith. Jumping to verse 28, Peter answered him, that is Jesus, who, who has been identified in the narrative, so we know who he is. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you. So there's a, still a question in the back of his mind. You know, I heard that voice, but I'm not sure. But it, if, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. In verse 29, he, that's Jesus, said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But think about Peter's statement to Jesus. Command me to come to you on the water. Just even imagining that and saying that is striking. I mean, at this point, Peter has seen the feeding of the 5,000. So he has witnessed just, you know, earlier in this same kind of 24-hour period, um, you know, in, in the, at this point, it's the next day, um, in the mindset of the disciples and, and the, the, that world. Day begins at sundown. So, you know, here it is the next day, but it's, it's just at the end of the prior day, the feeding of the 5,000 happened. He's seen that. He's heard the voice of Jesus say, take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. Right? And this is a voice he knows and recognizes. That's in verse 27. But, <laughs> but, Walk on the sea. We went over to the coast on Friday, and we were, um, you know, on the beach, and the water's there, and the waves are coming in. If I had seen someone walking on the sea, I would have wondered what's under the water that I can't, that I can't see with my eyes, right? What kind of optical illusion is this? I don't think I would have said, hey, look, it's possible here today, so let me join that person walking on the water. I would have been looking for a logical explanation of it. I would have thought there's no way that can't happen. And Peter was a fisherman. Fishermen understand water and boats and what floats and what sinks. They understand this. Peter probably had experience going from boat to water before. And I don't think he... 
stayed on the top. So he would have had a history of sinking, well, or hopefully swimming, but definitely not staying on top of the water and maybe walking across. What would, what would you expect? If you saw Jesus walking on the water, if you heard his voice, if you knew this is what he's done just yesterday, he was feeding a big crowd of people, what would you expect? What would you ask? I think I would have asked how, right? How are you doing this? I like, I like certainty. I, I like the comfort of consistency. If things don't make sense and walking on water doesn't make sense, I'd have to have some time to process this whole thing we're looking at. Now, Peter, this is the bold one, right? This is the one who's, who's ready to go. This is, you know, Peter's the one who pulls the sword out later, you know, in the garden and is cutting the ear off the guy. This is Peter who's bold and speaks up quite often. So in his personality, he doesn't take the time to analyze things and consider things and figure things out. He's, just, he's a man of action. And he took this action. He stepped out. There's a book. I really like the title of it. It's, uh, if you want to walk on water, you have, you've got to get out of the boat. The book's by John Ortberg, and I learned Thursday that he's recently uh, resigned from Menlo Church, um, which is, is tragic for the church when a, when a pastor is forced to resign. I, I don't have any more comment to make on it. I don't know en- enough about it to talk about that. I, I just wanted to reference that book title, but acknowledge that I, I do know um, that there are things going on with, in the life of the author. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat, is the title of the book. I haven't read the book, but I, I, just, I think that title is, is just very clever and, and important to recognize that we have to take a step of faith in order to do things that we wouldn't expect to do. Or another way to look at it is faith on the inside of the boat benefits whom? Faith on the inside of the boat is, is limited in its usefulness and its accomplishments. We are saved by faith. That is completely true. We call upon the Lord in whom we believe and trust, and we are saved. Romans 10 uh, talked about that, and we're going to come back to that toward the end of the message today. But the book of James says that you have to do what faith says. You have to take action that is connected to faith. Verse 17 of James chapter 2 says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now James there is talking about doing the things that faith does. What I want us to, to look at and to understand and recognize today is that faith takes action. Faith should lead us to action. Is Jesus calling you to action. Is Jesus calling you to do something, maybe something new, maybe something you wouldn't expect? Faith drives us to act. What step of faith are you ready to take? Or maybe what step of faith are you not ready to take, but you're feeling pulled toward it? You're feeling compelled like like Jesus is calling you, come. 
and you're thinking, I understand how this works. I understand how this feels. I understand, like, I understand water and things sink in it. I understand that the world is kind of crazy right now. I understand that there's a pandemic right now. But maybe Jesus is calling you toward something, to do something, to respond in a way that is new or unique in your life. There's opportunities abounding around us all the time to act in faith, to step out in faith toward something new or unique. You know, maybe during this time you have a neighbor that, that has a need and you can help meet that need. Someone that needs something delivered, something picked up, some help in the yard, some way that you can support that person. Maybe there's an overdue conversation in your life. Someone you need to talk to, you've needed to talk to for days or weeks or months or even years. Maybe, maybe now is the time to, to step out and do that. Maybe, maybe God wants you to go to a new location Change your career. Go back to school. There's all kinds of things that in our life plans we might not have thought about, we might not have imagined, we might not have considered ourselves doing, but we're just starting to feel that, that pull. In the story of our family, there was you know, this long, long time that, that I felt the pull to do this work, to be a pastor. This isn't the only way to step out in faith, and it's not even the best way. I'm not saying that everyone needs to be a pastor in order to serve God. Not saying that at all. But I felt this pull toward it. And I had a lot of reasons why I thought, that's not going to work. That's not going to work for us. That's not going to be good for my family. I have a wife. I have a son at that time, just Max. Um, and there was a lot of reasons that I could think of not to go to the seminary, not to move, not to do the things that, that it felt like Jesus was calling us toward. But then we took a step, and that step was not uncomfortable. And, and then another step and another step, and it's not like along the way it was always smooth sailing and everything was easy, but it was pursuing what God was leading us toward. Is Jesus calling you to action, towards something new, towards something unique? Through it all, in the middle of it all, be sure to fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 begins with these words in the NIV version, which is that's in my mind from having learned it that way a number of years ago. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Maybe you learned it, the author and perfecter, the beginner and the finisher, the alpha and omega of the faith that we believe. Let's fix our eyes on him because sometimes faith is fragile. Verse 30, Matthew 14, in this narrative, Peter has stepped out of the boat. He's walking on the water, but what does verse 30 say? When he saw the wind... He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out. We'll get the rest of verse 30 in a few minutes. When he saw the wind. 
when, when his mind went from, Lord, call me to come to you, and stepping out in this confidence, when he went from that to, what on earth am I doing? This physics, the physics of what we're doing right now don't make sense. And the wind, and there's waves, and how does this work? When he went from that, when he was distracted from, from, from Jesus, he began to sink. What has distracted you? Certainly the situation of the world, the pandemic we're in, the shelter-in-place orders. And, uh, you know, a few months ago, our whole world got kind of flipped upside down. The rug got pulled out from under us where we had expectations and things that we knew and things that were comfortable and consistent, relationships we could count on, gathering time that we knew was going to happen, a way to mark the week because Sunday was worship. So we can remember what day it is a little easier. But what else? What else has distracted you lately? Or maybe in your life where, where you've been moving forward, but all of a sudden there's something that, that pulls you away, pulls your mind away, pulls your attention away from keeping your eyes on Jesus. What has sidetracked you? There are incidents in our lives, things that we can look back on. Those moments that maybe at the time seemed huge, right? Like the wind and the waves. Those things that in that time just seemed so much bigger and scarier than they, than they really are. Kind of like the, the, the big spider you see in the dark, which is a tiny little spider in the daylight. There are those things that make us wonder, what are you doing here? That make us second guess our abilities, or our God, in fact. And we might second guess, why am I the one you have doing this? Why did you ask me to be in this position? Why did you put me here in this time, in this situation, to deal with this? I'm the wrong person, I'm the wrong choice, and all of that. We get sidetracked, we get distracted. We might even begin to sing. But bear in mind this, Jesus shows us the way. Here's something to think about, too. Who walked on water first? Jesus was already out there. Jesus wasn't on the boat with the disciples. and say, He didn't say, hey, Peter, step out on that water and see what happens. See, God doesn't call us to do things by ourselves. God doesn't call us into places that he isn't already. He's already there. He calls us to join him where he is, and we don't walk alone. If we fail, if we fall, we can call on the Lord. That's what Peter did. The end of verse 30 says, Peter cried out, Lord, save me. And verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Jesus took hold of Peter. Immediately. I like that word in there. He didn't, he didn't let Peter sink 
a while, and let's see if he swims. It wasn't a sink or swim moment. It was he called to Jesus, and Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Who took hold of whom? Jesus took hold of Peter. They got into the boat, and, well, for good measure, the wind ceased as well. Once they're in the boat, once they're back in a safe space just to, I guess, top it off, the wind ceased. Now, there's that moment where Jesus says to Peter, you have little faith. I've never walked on water. I've never stepped out of the boat. It's hard for me to get out of my comfort zone. But what would Jesus say to me? But at the same time, even a little faith. Like a mustard seed can move mountains. And the assurance is this, everyone who calls on him will be saved. Peter called out to Jesus, and immediately Jesus took hold of him. In Romans 10, verse 13, quoting Joel 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If, we're, if we feel like we're sinking, we can call out to the Lord. If we've gotten distracted and taken our eyes off of Jesus, we can call out to him, and he will save us. He will reach out his hand and take hold of us and bring us back and put us in a safe place and support us and sustain us. Jesus calls us to step out in faith and to follow him. But along the way, he leads us. So let's keep our eyes on him. Let's call out to him. Let's trust him and see where faith takes us. Peter got to walk on the water. I don't think I get to do that. I don't think you get to do that. Not that, but there are great things that God wants to do with us, through us, and for us. Let's step out in faith and be part of that action. Let's be part of that. Let's walk where he calls us to go. Amen.